The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on SB Nation Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and today's show is going to feature Mark Schofield, our quarterback guru, as we break down Thursday's game between the Giants and the Patriots. Mark, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, always a blast to be with you. Always good to catch up, talk a little ball, and I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, let's let's just get it out of the way. You know, Giants fans. You know, Mark's a Patriots fan. Let's just let's just put it on the table. You know, Mark does the uh, the Sco Show for SB Nation's Pat's Pulpit. Used to do a a podcast on the Locked On Network. Used to do the Locked On Patriots podcast. Also does a a, a show. For one of our other least favorite uh, SB Nation sites, Bleeding Green Nation, but you know, Mark, we we all of those things we'll we'll forgive you for because of the great work you do for us. I, I was going to say, and it's a wonder you guys keep me around, given the fact that I'm doing stuff for an Eagle site and a Pat site. I mean, I'm on kind of thin ice, I guess. Desperation, Mark. Desperation. <laughs> I get. It. I get it. I get it. <laughs> All right, so actually, let, let, let's get into this a little bit. Thursday night's Giants-Patriots matchup. And I'm going to start, we're going to start in your wheelhouse with some quarterback talk here. And let's start with, with Tom Brady. And I asked Bern Buckmaster, who runs Pat's Pulpit for SB Nation the other day, you know, I, I kiddingly asked him, if Tom Brady, who's 42 years old, is actually human, I mean, so so what I'll ask you, I'll kind of ask you the same question. Is he really a, hu- a human being? And do you see any signs when you watch him play that he's actually 42 years old? I mean, as a fellow 42-year-old man who's seven months older than Tom Brady, I don't think he's human because I am in agony some mornings when I just get out of bed. My back hurts, my knees hurts, my shoulders hurt. I don't know how he's doing it at this level, at this age. So it stuns me all the time. I think he's – obviously, look, we know father time is undefeated, but I've come to the realization that 
we're going to see somebody finally take father time in the distance and it's going to be Tom Brady. Like he's not going to win in the end. We know that. But he's going to take him to the 15th round. And as far as signs that he's 42, you can see on plays here and there where, you know, maybe the ball placement isn't what it used to be. You know, maybe the velocity isn't what it used to be. But he was never somebody known for having a powerful arm to begin with. That wasn't a book on him, you know, even when he was at his peak. But at the same time, you still see him dial it up velocity when he needs to. You still see him putting the ball where he needs to at times. And so I think it's more of any quarterback is going to miss throws. Any quarterback is going to make mistakes. He still looks like an upper tier to elite quarterback in the National Football League on a week-in to week-out basis. And he's coming off a game against Buffalo, which was one of his worst games of his career. But I think that had more to do with the Buffalo Bills and the defense they have than any sort of fall off or cliff or whatever you want to say about Tom Brady. And I know that there's that sort of cottage industry of analysts sort of on the national level that have been sort of predicting the fall of Tom Brady and the arrival of his cliff basically since like 2009. They'll be right eventually, but they're not right yet. And I think that's the biggest thing to say about Tom Brady is that he is still playing at an extremely high level for a man that's 42. And we have, we're in uncharted territory here. This is, this is new for everybody. Well, you know, if you keep predicting it sooner or later, you'll have to be right. Look, eventually they're going to be right. And so, you know, when he's finally retires in the year 2025, you know, when he has his first <laughs> bad season, they can say, look, we were right. And he'll have outlasted the guys like Garoppolo and Brissett. And maybe even Jared Stidham, who are going to be his replacement someday. I mean, I read a tweet, you know, jo- a jokingly, uh, a, a joke tweet the other day that said he's going to retire in like 2098. And at this point, I wouldn't bet against him. Oh, good Lord. It has to help Brady that he's been with Belichick. And, you know, we know how great Belichick is, but he's been with the same coach. He's basically, although they've had different offensive coordinators, he's been in the same basic system you know they they know each other they know how to you you know they 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 know everything about each other it's not like he has to continually adjust to new coaches new offenses and I think for any quarterback that has to be considered just a huge advantage it's a massive advantage and I mean I've said it before familiarity breeds success at the quarterback position when you're running stuff you've been running for over a decade or longer even because you know you look at the Patriots playbook and there are changes and tweaks from the Josh McDaniels era all the way back to the you know Charlie Weiss era but the bulk of it is largely intact and the same I mean it's the same sort of philosophy getting the ball out quickly and targeting the running backs and trying to get you know matchups that you can exploit matchups that you think are you know sort of slanted in your favor, so to speak. And that has a, you know, big effect on his play and this overall offense. And you think about, you know, a short week, for example, where they get down a road game, you know, obviously at Washington isn't a big travel day for them to come back, but it is still a short week. We know that players sometimes don't feel like they're back to normal until like Wednesday night. And now they have to turn around and play a game the next day. But Tom Brady was asked this week about a short week. He said, look, I've been around for so long, like, I know what to look for when I'm getting ready for the next opponent. I know what I need to do. Like, I know this offense. It it certainly helps, and it helps 
you know, on a game prep level, it helps in the game itself when you know that there are routes that you've gonna, you're going to throw in the next drive that you've been throwing for 25 years or so. That there are designs that you're going to call in the next drive that you've been running for the past 15 years. There are guys you're throwing to in Julian Edelman and in James White that you know their instincts, you know how they're going to read coverages. And when so much of their offense is based on sort of option routes and reading coverage and b- being on the same page with your target – you know, the familiarity with those guys is a huge boost as well. And so the fact that he's been doing this this long in this basically the same system for so long with a lot of the same players like Edelman and White, for example, and even to this point, Philip Dorsett, who's really gotten on the same page with them, it's a huge boost for this offense and its productivity. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the other quarterback who we will see Thursday night. That, of course, is Daniel Jones of the Giants. And, and Mark, you know, we saw terrific work from Jones in the preseason. We saw a fantastic debut against the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've seen him sort of you know, come back to earth a little bit the last two weeks, but overall. I mean, you have to look at this kid and think this kid is an NFL quarterback. I I think you have to come to that conclusion. And I know that there's this sort of tendency in the sports media world to have definitive conclusions on players after a game or a couple of games. But I think we can be pretty confident that, like you said, Daniel Jones is an NFL quarterback. He does belong. I don't think people can really certainly go all the way down the road of, he was definitively worth the six overall pick or anything like that. But I think he's shown to this point that he was at least worthy of the selection in the first round, whether it was six or 17 or whenever, you know, because people were even wondering, should Daniel Jones be drafted in the first round? And there are a lot of people, myself included, that were critical of some of his skill sets, some of his traits coming out of Duke. But what has happened here is, you know, Pat Shermer has put him into an offense, and Bill Belichick talked about it this week that, you know, it does, it's a West Coast offense with some RPO elements, and that quick game stuff and the processing he showed at Duke on quicker concepts were his strengths, and so they have tailored the offense to what he does well. It's the perfect sort of example of. M- tailoring what you do schematically to the skill set of your quarterback and not you know forcing that sort of square peg into a round hole which we used to see so often with rookie quarterbacks where they would come out they were used to doing x y and z and their new offensive coordinator head coach would say that's nice but we run a b and c here and this is what you're going to have to do and it would never work you know we're seeing more and more willingness and openness from offensive coaches to tailor what they do to the skill set of their rookie quarterback. And we're seeing that with Jones. And so I've been very impressed with his play. I was even impressed with some of what he did last week. I know a lot of people were somewhat critical of what he did against Minnesota, but I thought he had a pretty, I, I don't want to say good game, but I think there were some things that he did in that game that were impressive. There were some throws and some reads that he made in that game that were impressive. I've been wondering this week about the viability of Blitz and Daniel Jones, because I think, it almost plays to his strengths in a sense because, A, it forces him to make quicker reads and decisions, which he does extremely well to begin with, and, B, it allows him to, if things break down, make plays with his legs. And he's shown that his athleticism and his ability to extend plays with his legs is also a big trait for him, sort of that trump card type trait. But I don't know if it was 
Daniel Jeremiah, Dane Brugger, that talked about recently for younger quarterbacks, the athleticism, the ability to escape and create with your legs, that can be your crutch as a rookie as you figure the rest of it out. And the ones that have that trait, like a Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or this year with Daniel Jones, are going to be able to buy them some time to figure out the rest of what goes into playing the position. So I've been impressed with Jones. You know, I think he's certainly shut a lot of people up, myself included, in a sense. And I think he has shown that the developmental path is there. Now it's sort of filled in the blanks around what he does well. You raised an interesting point there too, Mark, in, in just the idea of using his skill set, building an offense around what the quarterback does well. And it made me think about the idea that Pat Shermer, Giants head coaches, he came to the Giants with the reputation of being sort of a quarterback whisperer, a guy who worked in a lot of offensive systems, had success with quarterbacks from Donovan McNabb and and Sam Bradford, you know, first round kind of picks, all the way to an undrafted guy like Case Keenum. And there's a lot of questions in New York about Pat Shermer. He has a losing record as a head coach. I think from from my perspective, Shermer's future in New York comes down to his relationship with Jones and how well he develops that young quarterback. And I think, and just give me your opinion on this, I think that what we're seeing so far are really some good signs that Shermer and Jones are a good long-term match. I, I think we are seeing that. And it certainly helps when the offensive play caller is tailoring the offense to what the quarterback does well. And we've seen evidence, like you said, of Shermer doing that in the past. When you look at the offense that he was sort of running when Case Keenum had his sort of miracle-type season in Minnesota, it was a little bit different. There was a lot of play-action-heavy stuff with vertical shots down the field off of that, which sort of tailored to what Case Keenum does well. And if you look at how Jay Gruden tried to use Keenum this year, it was a lot of the same stuff, vertical passing elements off of play action. But now you're seeing, yes, there's some vertical stuff in there. But again, it's a lot of the quick game stuff. And that sort of trust that develops, you know, from the quarterback side of the table, when you see your coach, you know, calling the stuff you want to run, calling the stuff that you're good at, it develops that relationship where you trust this person going forward. And this is the critical relationship for all of these teams that have, selected that young quarterback that now need to find the coach to develop and mold them and handle them the right way. And it's, you can call it the McVeigh golf model. You know, other people are trying to see if Matt Nagy can do that with Mitchell Trubisky or Cliff can do it with Kyler Murray, but that's the crucial relationship for these franchises to have success because, you know, until the CBA has changed, the economics of it are that you want that rookie quarterback to perform well enough during the window of that rookie deal to build around them and make a run. It's sort of the economic model of the NFL right now. And when you have that relationship between offensive coordinator and or head coach and rookie quarterback to build that relationship with, when you have that trust and you have that production that flows from that, when you have the familiarity and the scheme that flows from that, which leads to the success on the field, you can maximize that window. And so I think you're right that what seems to be in place is a strong relationship between the two that they can build on going forward. And that's huge for maximizing this rookie contract window for New York. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's talk a little bit specifically about Thursday night. We've seen three games from Jones. We look at this game coming up. The Patriots are giving up 6.8 points per game. And, and, and our good friend Burned over at Pat's Pulpit reminded me that the Patriots' defense is actually responsible for only giving up four points a game. Uh, a Jarrett Stidham pick six is responsible for a big chunk of, of the rest of it. But uh, you look at this game, Giants probably aren't going to have Saquon Barkley. They, probably, they don't have Wayne Gallman. They don't have Sterling Shepard. They might not have Evan Ingram. Do they have any chance of, of running some successful offense against the Patriots? Or could this be, in the end, really the first really ugly game that we've seen in, in, in the Daniel Jones era? I mean, you always have a chance. I mean, that's one of the great things about this sport and this game and this league is that there's always a chance on, you know, any given Sunday, as they say. But the odds are certainly not in New York's favor. And there are some numbers that sort of bear that out. Belichick, 17-5 and against rookie quarterbacks, 11-0 and at home against rookie quarterbacks. You know, Daniel Jones would be the entire list if he could go into Foxborough and beat Bill Belichick on Thursday night. When you look at what this defense has done, and yes, you know, you might say that it's been against lower competition. You know, Washington, for example, Miami, for example, Pittsburgh, when Ben Roethlisberger was playing, but that offense still didn't look right on that opening night. They've gone up against some lower competition on the offensive side of the ball. Buffalo was moving the ball pretty well with both Josh Allen at times and Matt Barkley. And so you could say that, you know, better offenses might give this defense some trouble. But the injuries are going to be an issue. If, if there's a way that New York can go into Foxborough and pull this out, I think you're going to need to see, you know, a, a defensive turnover score or a special teams type score. But specifically with the offense, you're going to need to see Daniel Jones create some plays with his legs. Mobile quarterbacks have given Bill Belichick defenses trouble in the past to Sean Watson, Marcus Mariota, even Josh Allen at times. So he might need to sort of create off of structure outside the pocket, you know, find some receivers downfield in scramble drill situations, sort of what we saw from him in his debut against Tampa Bay. And you're going to need to sort of keep this New England Patriots defense guessing in a sense. Now, the problem with that is, look, this is a deep defense at all three levels. You know, on the defensive line, their linebackers, the boogeymen, as they're calling themselves, are tremendous. They have athletes at that level now. Jimmy Collins, the Jamie Collins 2.0 that we're seeing in New England right now is the type of player they're hoping when they drafted, they got when they drafted him the first go around. He's athletic, he's disruptive, but he's been disciplined. You know, they used him as a spy against Josh Allen. I assume we'll see some of that. And in the secondary, they're incredibly deep. It allows them to, like they like to do on offense, play to matchups. You know, they can match skill set to skill set with defensive back and receiver. So it's a tough defense. It's going to pose some challenges. But if New York's going to pull off this upset, I think Jones is going to have to create a bit outside the pocket with his legs and off structure. 
Well, we uh, we just hope that he doesn't get killed, Mark. <laughs> well, I mean, there's that too. There's that too. Um, but, but look, it's it's a tough defense. It's a very tough defense to go up against. I mean, they're gonna give you problems no matter you know what you're doing offensively, and it's going to be a big test for Daniel Jones. Let's look. Looking at the matchup another way, you look at uh, at the Giants' struggling defense. We know that I think they're thirtieth in the league in yards allowed. They had one good game against the Redskins, which, when you look at it, was probably more about how bad the Redskins were offensively than how good the Giants were defensively, especially since I think Case Keenum missed two easy touchdown throws. But perhaps the one advantage that the Giants might have in this game is might be their defensive line with Dexter Lawrence, with Marcus Golden coming off the edge, B.J. Hill, Dalvin Tomlinson in the middle against what really is kind of, for for New England, a patchwork, you know, not perfect offensive line. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you're looking at the matchup between the Patriots offense and this Giants defense, that's the area where, if the Giants are, again, going to pull off this this win on Thursday night, you're going to need to sort of make some hay there. You look at Ted Karras in the interior replacing Dave Andrews, who's a tremendous center. You know, going into this season, Brandon Thorne, somebody you and I know extremely well, offensive line guru, he said, you know, the Patriots' interior offensive line is the best in football. And he actually wrote that the Patriots' offensive line was the best in football going into this season. But two of the, one of the bigger reasons that – was the best interior, David Andrews, the center, is now gone. You know, Ted Karras has been serviceable, solid, but certainly not the kind of player that Andrews was. And they have had some difficulty with interior stunts. They have had some difficulty blocking up interior twists, some of the communication. When you've got three guys that have played together for a number of seasons, when you had Joe Tooney, the left guard, Jack Mason, the right guard, and Andrews in the middle, the nonverbal communication on passing off stunts and twists is there. It's lock solid. So those don't give those guys trouble. With Karras in the middle now, some of those stunts have been giving them trouble. And we know, historically speaking, the book on Tom Brady is quick A-gap interior pressure. That forces him off his spot. This wants to be a timing and rhythm-based throwing game. When Brady has to move quickly, it disrupts the timing. It frustrates him. That's when you see him make mistakes, press a little bit. If they can get that interior of the offensive line confused, if they can generate some interior pressure, that's going to get Tom Brady off of his spot and off of his game. And so you're right. I think that's an area where the Giants can at least say that we've got a shot to really be productive here and disrupting Tom Brady. It's in the interior of their defensive line. I know that, that you know, obviously everybody knows when it comes to you that, that quarterback Studying quarterback is your thing. I asked you a couple of weeks ago to actually take a look at some of the things that the Giants were doing on defense, and and you graciously did that and did a great job with it. What I want to ask you about is this Giants defense as a whole, just from, from what you've seen. Obviously, it's a struggling unit. What do you see? I mean... Is it just a mess, or do you see, when, when you think about the Giants' defense, do you see reason you know, maybe for some long-term optimism that, that things could get better on that side of the ball for the Giants? 
I think it's more you can look at this defense and see that it's a work in progress, but there are certainly players to be excited about. I mean, you, you mentioned Dexter Lawrence. I know that was a pick that a lot of people sort of questioned, you know, why are you taking sort of a nose tackle type in today's National Football League, a two-down defensive lineman. But I think he's shown that there's more to his game than just that. And so there's an ability to sort of get him involved off the edge a little bit, move him around a little bit up front. So that's a nice building piece. And I know, look, DeAndre Baker has gotten a lot of criticism at times. You actually talked about him a bit. You know, maybe there was a thought that he was playing off too much, even though Press was one of his better skill sets coming out of Georgia. I think he's gotten better at sort of using his length and using his arms and his upper body at the line of scrimmage. His press play has been better the past couple of weeks. Look, this is a defense that's sort of banged up at times. You've got your thin at spots. Lorenzo Carter, who's a player that I liked when he was coming out, he's been battling with an injury. But there are some pieces here, and it's just a matter of when you've got younger guys at multiple levels of the defense, it's a matter of sort of getting everybody on the same page. And so it's a work in progress in that sense. But I don't think it's a mess. I think it's a work in progress that is getting better. And I think there are building blocks with this Giants defense at all three levels that you can see in the next year or so really becoming that cohesive unit everybody was hoping to see at some point. All right. Well, Mark, we will uh, we will look forward to, to Thursday night. Fingers crossed that, that it's a competitive game, and, uh, and we'll see how it goes. I, I, I don't expect the Giants to win it, I think. I think a real positive for the Giants this week would be being competitive on a short week, especially with a uh, w- with an offense that's going to be compromised. So we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, your your thoughts? I mean, just before I let you go, are you are you expecting a competitive game? Or are you expecting it to be one sided? I mean, I always lean in favor of sort of the competitive game, especially look short week. Um, you know, we we've seen some Thursday night games unfold in different ways in the past and so I, I do think that the Patriots will win this game I don't think it's going to be this like lopsided blowout that has everybody reaching for the remote so sometime near halftime um, I, I think it's going to be closer than that you know I, I think it's probably a two-score game you know maybe a, a 35-17 type of type of type of night but uh, I do think that the Patriots are going to have enough even on a short week against the band of New York Giants team I just thank God that neither one of these teams wears some sort of crazy oh, eye-hurting color, color uniform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going to get the all-navies from New England. Um, we'll see that on Thursday night. But it's not something like they used to have the silver shirts in the past. It's not going to be anything like that, which is good, which is good. We don't like the neon green we saw last week from uh, Seattle. No, I, I, I can't I can't deal with those uniforms where I have to look and, and, and watch TV. And first of all, it hurts my eyes. And second of all, I have to wait for someone to actually tell me who's playing. Right. You don't even recognize the teams. I mean, look, that's not fun. <laughs> no, it's not. But then again, Mark, it's always fun talking to you. We appreciate your, uh, your taking a few minutes. I know we kind of mentioned it at the top, but why don't you just tell people where they can find uh, where they can find most of your work and where they can hear you these days? Well, Ed, always a blast being on with you. Thanks so much for having me on. Always appreciate it. Um, easiest way to find me is on Twitter at Mark Schofield, but I write for places like Inside the Pylon, uh, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, Pro Football Weekly, and three different SB Nation websites: Big Blue View, uh, Pat's Pulpit, where there's the Sco Show, and then Bleeding Green Nation, where there's the QB Sco Show with me and Michael Kist. All right. Thank you, Mark. And and thank you, Giants fans, for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye now.